clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. This is Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And this is Jeremiah <laughs> James. And I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Did you forget the script that we repeat every day? <laughs> I, I'm not, I was just trying. Yes, and I tried to pull it off by pretending like I was trying a different flavor. I, okay. <laughs> I am. This, this, this is the doctor. The doctor is in. Yeah. (laughs) This is chronic fatigue. (laughs) And we're back, folks. And I am still coming down off of the high of last week's episode where I got to talk to adult film star Nolina Nix. And it was every like dream that I had about talking to a film star was fulfilled in that episode. I'm so grateful to you, Doc, for bringing me into the University of Pleasure and working with me on this project because I literally got to bucket list, check that off. I got to ask all those questions I've always wanted to ask. And uh, it was the very point, exciting. You know, the whole point of all of my education, all of this effort to do this podcast is so you could talk to a former adult film star. You're right. You are a giver, Doc. And you know what? Her and I got so, like, I just felt like this cosmic connection with her. Well, she was was great. I mean, I... I am interested if she felt the same connection with well, you. Well, I'm almost positive she did. And because, you know, we were talking about climbing on the mountains and like drinking White Claws together. And I think it was. But then again, like I said, I was telling you when we were offline a second ago. But then I started feeling guilty because this week my real best friend came <laughs> back to join us again here at the University of Pleasure. And we all know who my new best friend is, is Laura Rademacher. She is back. She's going to teach us about kink. I'm not really sure what we're going to learn, but I'm ready. And I'm just so happy that she is here with us again. She is so joyous. My best friend, Laura Rademacher. Thank you so much for being here with us, Laura. Oh, I'm happy too, Jeremiah. How you doing? <laughs> so good. So good now that I'm seeing you. Oh. Hi. Hi, Laura. Hi, <laughs> Thanks for coming again. <laughs> good to see always you. Always happy to be at the University of Pleasure. Well, we're always, always happy to have you here. You always bring such amazing insight. And today, I'm sure, is going to be no different. As I said really quickly, we're going to be talking about kink and power dynamics. And when we were talking a little bit about this offline, they were like, does that feel good? How about you? Does that feel good? We'll talk about this. And I just kept going, okay, like, uh, sure. Like, because I don't (laughs) understand any of it. So I'm ready to learn. I know that our millions of fans all over the world are ready to learn. And, uh, but before we go there, uh, can you understand why I was so excited to meet this adult film star, Laura? (laughs) Because we need, we need to take like 
a whole episode just to process Jeremiah? Is that what we needed to do? Like a whole like aftermath, like follow up care processing episode? Because I have been talking about even my wife is like, oh, God, are you talking about that again? Like anytime I talk to a friend who I haven't spoken to in a little while, I'm like, you will not believe what I did this week. I got to talk to an adult film star and she was amazing and she answered all my stupid like young boy questions that I needed answered that I've been like holding on to since I discovered pornography and like it was just and she was so cool about it. It was it was your it was your Graceland. It was. And I've been to Graceland. It it sounds like you're well, I wanted to say a theme park that I'm not sure if I should name. I don't know if we can say names. It sounds great. Hey, do you do anything in your life, Jeremiah, to support sex worker rights? Uh, because I, uh, it sounds I, like if you loved meeting her so much, that might be something to think about. Okay, here, <laughs> this is actually something we talked about in the episode because I'm a huge advocate for sex workers' rights. And this is totally true because I, when I saw that OnlyFans was trying to flip the switch on all yeah. of those sex workers, I literally was furious. Because to me, you know, we talked a lot about it in the episode it puts them in danger. It puts them in financial risk very quickly. You know, and by the way, OnlyFans only is OnlyFans because of that industry. I'm sorry. Anybody who tries to say that it's because of like, you know, little videos they made about their dog, which I'm sure are great. It's not. It is because of sex workers. And I have always been an advocate for sex worker rights. And I have even said in past episodes, and you'd be proud of me because, I mean, we're such close friends. I can say, you know, you and I, we can talk about these things. Is like, you know, I talk about things like, you know, in Denmark and other countries where they have like red light districts where things are regulated and they're protected just like any other industry out there. So there you have it. Vote for Jeremiah for president. We will change the world. Now, I apologize to all our listeners. I have been quite sick this week with a very bad cold, thankfully not coronavirus. I went and got tested a couple of times because it was brutal. So I'm sorry if I sound a little froggy and if I might cough here or there, I'll try to cut it all out. But anyway, back to your question. There's your answer. We are, I mean, it's so crazy to me because we're so in sync. Like you just pulled that and that was what was so (laughs) integral to what that conversation was. I'm telling you, it's like we just parallel lives. We're so close. It's it's amazing to me. I need to I need to tell you, Laura, that I have never seen Jeremiah more engaged in an episode with the exception of anal. The only the real like these are I'm like these are the things that I have learned, right? Like true engagement would be around the topics of pornography and anal. So I can't imagine when we do an episode on anal pornography, what's oh, going to happen. It. It might explode. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I did all this research. I was ready. I was ready with questions. And I even was like, hey, Doc, is this a good question to ask? You know, I was trying to be professional, but inside I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting to talk to an adult film star. So... I, I digress. We're here. We're present. We're together. You and me again, Laura. And I'm ready to learn about kink. You're at, you're making it weird, Jeremiah. You got to back sorry. off like 25%. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to let the two people on this podcast that know and understand what this topic is about to launch us into it. So take it away, Doc. Take it away, Laura. <laughs> Great. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> Well, I, so what I think would maybe be helpful, you know, 
you know how I like to do this, Jeremiah. I think it would probably be good just to like clarify some things just in case people don't listen to all of our episodes. Like when we say kink, right? Because I think we're going to talk about power dynamics within kink, but it would probably be good to just like have a working definition of what that actually means because I think there's a lot of misconception. And because we have lovely Laura here today, I'm going to let her talk about it. All right. Well, so before I was a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified sex therapist, I was a sex educator. And um, I was very lucky to get to um, present classes to, I'm going to say, the BDSM community and also to attend classes that were given by the BDSM community and learn. So um, that's kind of my background in this. And so let me give you a definition of BDSM right off the bat. How about that? Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. It's kind of a term that encompasses a lot of different things. So the B and the D can stand for bondage and discipline. And then we take the two middle letters, the D and the S, which can stand for dominance and submission. And then the last letter is S and M, sadism and masochism, right? So it's a lot of terms and a lot of letters. And some of those terms sound kind of scary, but I don't think they need to be scary. Um, part of the way that I tend to think about it is I divide it up in my head into sensation play and power play, right? So sensation play might be, um, you know, I don't know, spanking. It might be some kind of like impact play. Spanking can be impact play too, but it might be impact play with like a toy, um, something like a flogger or something like that. It might be just like ice cubes or something that makes you warmer, candle wax that's made to go on a body. I saw that in a movie. I saw that uh, Madonna did that in a movie with... uh... Madonna did. Of course she did. Yeah. I can't remember what the movie was called, but she totally did that. It was like a whole big thing. And uh, it was like a big part of like the selling point of that movie for me. I don't remember anything else from the film. But there you are. I thought Madonna was using the candles that are made to be used on people because regular old candles. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, word to the wise, be careful of that. Right. So there's all kinds of sensation stuff you can play with. And then there's power play where one person agrees to be in more of the running things type of role and another person agrees to be in the letting things be run on them kind of role, <laughs> I wouldn't say, which is maybe not the best way to say it, but you get what I mean. So right? we're talking like dominant submission kind of thing. Like one person's like running the show, like say I want to do the Madonna thing with candle wax, the proper candles that you were saying, not regular old candles, which I'm glad that you made that clear for, you know, I think it got garbled there in our connection. But so there are specialty candles to use for that, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, you okay. got it. So I just can't go to like you know, Yankee Doodle Candles or whatever that is and get like, you know, my favorite apple spice one and be like, it's a party tonight, baby. Yeah, that's going to probably go pretty wrong for you. Okay. So, and what you were saying like was like, so if somebody was running it, even if it was not like necessarily like dominant submissive, but like even like, hey, tonight it's going to be the candle night. I'm going to do it. And you're, and, and if you're comfortable with that, and, and you'll let me do those things to you kind of a thing. That's what we're saying. Right. 
Yeah. And, and Jeremiah, you're kind of skirting around something, which is that um, sometimes people like the power play. They're like, Ooh, I want to be like the person in charge. And maybe I have a title. I want you to call me, or maybe I want to be the person who's not in charge. And I want to take a, a role around that. And sometimes people don't want the power play element, but they do want someone to kind of run the scene and someone to not run the scene. And so words that might be used then would be top and bottom. Got right. It. So it's, might be running the show and the bottom might be um, going with with what the top is doing, which, of course, they've talked about beforehand and negotiated and decided what's within their limits and what's 100%, not. A hundred percent because you right. were our consent guru on an episode. If you remember when Laura <laughs> Rademacher came on, she did. We did a part did, one and a part two. I was we talked get, a lot about consent. I was going to get to the – I was going to say both. I was, I was leading mm-hmm. into it, but it's fine. Continue. Um, may I, hey, can before we start deep diving though into more of these dynamics, do would you mind, Laura, in like just because we're throwing around two different words, like well, not different words, but like phrases like kink and BDSM, and how those might intersect uh, or interplay for our listeners, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> okay, one hundred percent. I will answer that question, and I will say I never know the answer to this question. I get asked it all the time. Me, me neither. Me neither. Why do you think I tossed it over to you? <laughs> oh. You're going to be like, Tara, what do you think about that? <laughs> That's Here's why I had to jump the gun on it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's kind of my general feel for it, but I'll just say like, this is my general feel. I'm not taking this from like the dictionary of power play or something like that. Right. Um, BDSM is a deliberately umbrella term. That's why it's got so many letters and so many words. Um, I think it's trying to encompass a lot of different things, right? Kink sometimes can can talk about, um, I've heard people use it like, that's my kink, or even I kink on that or something like that, right? So it might be someone talking about a specific turn on, Someone might have uh, an attraction to something, or maybe they'd even label it as a fetish, like latex, leather, feet, and they might say, that's my kink. Um, People throw around the word kinky to mean kind of just anything that they consider, oh my gosh, are we going to get into kinky versus vanilla? Are we going to talk about it? I think we should. I think we should, because I do think that people can get really confused with the language. And I think sometimes because of that, they don't bring things up and they don't talk about it because they don't want to sound dumb. There it is. And so to me, I think it is important. So why not just delineate between kinky and vanilla? Sure, sure. But I just want to say too, you know, we didn't sound dumb earlier when we were both like, I don't know the difference between, (laughs) I don't know. Right, right. Right, so you can say that. That's okay for people to say, but I know sometimes we need to hear that, right? Well, and I think that, but I think that that's part of what, I guess my point is that's more of like why people might not say something, right? Or like might not join a conversation or bring it up because they're like, well, I don't want to use it out of context, or I don't want to use these things incorrectly, but they really do want to talk about it in some right. kind of way. Well, I have no right. idea what we're talking about anymore. So I, I'm, I'm never afraid of sounding dumb. <laughs> there are so many loaded jokes in there for me, Jeremiah, that I'm going to pass on because you're not... <laughs> Because you're not feeling well, but I just need to voice my impulse so I can really manage it in this moment. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for your restraint. (laughs) So kinky versus vanilla. Oh, wow. So for me, 
when I hear the term vanilla, one thing that comes to mind right away is the assumption that whatever's happening is heterosexual. That's not necessarily true. I'm just talking about like what I've heard vanilla refer to, right? And usually what I think I hear is like missionary position, penis and vagina, sexual activities, right? <laughs> I've heard people I've also heard people refer to uh, kind of like their own definition of vanilla as just like whatever they do the most often that is not particularly that doesn't have to do with power play that maybe doesn't involve bringing out the toys it's something that feels maybe familiar to them and mm -hmm. uh comforting because and those are the great things about vanilla when you think about it right like it's classic um you can always kind of order vanilla and know that it's going to taste good uh and that's great if people are into vanilla sex that's great sometimes i hear that term thrown around in kind of a I don't Majorative. know. <laughs> yes, that's the P word I was looking for, right? Like, oh, it's so vanilla. And it's like, well, vanilla is great if that's what you like, right? Mm -hmm. Kink could be anything outside that. And again, that's going to mean different things for different people. Individualized. Like, so, yeah, like in the swinging lifestyle, vanilla usually means like, uh, from my experience, but again, I, I totally agree. I think it's all personalized, right? Because like, you know, one person's, you know, kink is another person's vanilla. Like, you know, oh, tying up and that sort of thing. I mean, I guess it's classified as kink, but we do it a lot. It's kind of vanilla for us, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah I think to Laura, I guess, think really to both of your points from, from sort of my angle in terms of like, I often think about it as sort of associated with like um, both having this like kind of individualized meaning like you're talking about as well as this greater cultural meaning. Right. And in context of like a greater cultural meaning, I think it often has to do with like and is associated with stereotypes like cultural stereotypes around normativity. Right. Like what people see as normal. And again, there's a lot of cultural differences. We've talked a ton about that, <laughs> talked a ton about normativity. And I think for me, sometimes kinky, I hear that associated with things that are often seen outside of that cultural stereotype of normativity. What, are you, what do you yeah. think, Laura? Oh, oh yeah. Um, that's a beautiful way to say it. And that gets at what I was trying to get at when I was saying like a lot of times I hear vanilla in reference to only straight sex, even though, you know, people of any gender combos could be having sex that somebody could deem vanilla, they could deem vanilla, right? But like when you name, hey, here's here's a term for what we think of as normative there's still kind of that bias towards, oh, well, heterosexuality is the norm, even though we know that there's a wide range of norm, right? Um, so I think that's a great way to say it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for me, like with what I was saying with the swing lifestyle, like vanilla, we would say, oh, those are vanilla friends. We would say something like, oh, you know, you know when you're talking to your swinger friends, be like, oh, well, our vanilla friends, meaning like they don't really venture out of their own partnership like they're that's they're they don't 
discuss things like that. They don't talk about sex very often. That's just the kind of things that happen behind closed doors. And then you have your swinger friends, and they were the friends who were like, yeah, man, we're just jamming. Let's try something different. Let's do a little different. You know, so, you know, that that's where I started hearing that term. And, uh, you know, I, I had always kind of classified it as like, you know, vanilla is like, you know, all the great things. They're great things that you do, just the two you do together. And, you know, that's that, like, over there. And then, you know, right. your kinky stuff is is the stuff that kind of goes outside that bubble. So that was always the way that I understood it. And I think, Tara, uh, you know, I think that was a good uh, explanation. I feel good about that explanation. And uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> great. Great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, in that context, you're saying people who are vanilla are maybe not a part of the swinger community. Right. Right. You're kind of using it to say, like, who's involved in the community and who's not involved in the community, which is another way that that gets thrown around. Right. And and, and the other thing that I think is important to delineate about, like, so if we talk about BDSM and kinky, right, like there are some folks that might not identify within the BDSM community, but might also identify as kinky, right? Like they might be involved in certain kinks or communities of kinks. And so I think the moral of the story usually for me is really that it's pretty individualized. You kind of just need to ask people what certain terms might mean to them. Or if you are a person, you know, that you get to define what that language means to you. Right. And language is often very individualized. But I do think sometimes people find it helpful to have a general sense of what these things might mean. Totally I agree. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting that a lot of the behaviors that maybe we would maybe I don't know, maybe we would term kinky are actually really common behaviors. Oh, right? yeah. I tend to think of, oh, kink, that's something that's out there. That's something that's really different. And it's like there are more and more numbers coming out being like, yeah, you know, about a third of people have incorporated spanking into their sex lives at some point. Like ton of people have used blindfolds or some kind of restraints. I saw a study come out the other day that said, um, I swear it said a third of people in their last uh, sexual encounter incorporated simulated choking. Hey, right? all right. Which is another topic. And I'll just say there's a lot of safety concerns with that one. So that's, I'm sorry, I'm throwing that one in your lap. There you no, go. But, but I think, but we've talked a lot on here, like to your point, I think too, like I, uh, there's a researcher in Canada, Christian Joyal, who has a team. Is that how you pronounce his name? Do you know Joyal? I've always just seen it in print. I think it's Christian Joyal, right? Like, and as a Canadian researcher, because they get all the money. They get all the money for sex research in Canada. We don't get nearly as much in the United States. Wow, I but didn't know that Canada was so progressive in that way. Canada, really, right? Am I wrong on this, Laura? Like, You're right. Yeah, like Canada kills it with sex research. Or they have way more funding for sex research. So a lot of the sex research- I wonder research they're all so happy. <laughs> Canadians are just so happy. It's one of my favorite cities in the world is to go to Toronto. Like, I love Toronto. It's like New York City, but it's clean and everybody's so nice. And they're all, you know, if you get lost in Toronto, they're like, oh, it's over there. Eh? It's cool. And everything's everyone's just happy. Like, so this all makes sense to me now. Thank right. you, my Canadian brethren. All right. <laughs> But so Christian Joel, a sex. Well, I don't know that Ashton. I don't actually think that Chris, no one. 
no, really, this is like way too far outside, but I, I don't know that Christian Drell is specifically a sex researcher, but has done research on the paraphilias, i.e., right, things that have been deemed to be like atypical in terms of sexual behavior. And what a lot of that research continues to find, and he's done with some other with teams of people, a lot of research where they're finding that like a lot of stuff that we've deemed like deviant or is really statistically not that deviant or not that atypical. Yeah. Right. So. Well, I think right. this is great. I'm learning so much. I think this is a great place to take a break because we talked about a lot of these things. And I think we're going to come back because we're going to talk officially about power dynamics. Yes, we are. Right. See how easy it is to get lost. See how easy it is to get lost in these topics. Absolutely. But this is I think it's good. We've, we've defined a bunch and now we're going to move into power dynamics. I want to be just one. No. Yeah. Don't get mad. But do get mad. It's fine. Like. I want you are so much nicer about us getting off topic when Laura's here versus when it's just you and I. Okay, listen. You scold me when it's you and I, Jeremy. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. Laura and I just have a synergy. There's a thing Don't that it's triangulate me, mom and dad. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put my friendship with Laura in the middle of this. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about power dynamics when we come back. And we're back with my dear friend, Laura Rademacher. We're going to talk about power dynamics. And uh, it was amazing because we were kind of like over here talking about kink versus vanilla and all these other things and my brain was like swimming and i'm learning and now we're going to talk about power dynamics which i don't i want to say i kind of understand but then at the same point in time like sitting here with my friend laura rademacher and the doc i know i'm about to realize i know nothing about this (laughs) (laughs) so rock star knowledgeable people please take it away if I were going to sum it up, I'd say grown-ups like to play pretend. <laughs> I agree. Boom. Boom. There Done. it is. Cut print. Thank you so much for coming today, Laura Rademacher. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it, we play pretend so much as kids, and, and so much of that is wonderful and um, beneficial for us. You know, like we pretend all kinds of – if you think about all the different careers you might have pretended um, to take on – all of that is about, you know, imagining what you want, what you don't want, getting to be something a little different than maybe you are in that moment. And then we turn into adults and it's like we feel like we just have to cut that off. Like that's just done now. No more pretending. I guess I'm just going to have to be who I am every day. And I think all of us at some point and in some way, whether it comes out in sex or not, want the opportunity to try on some different roles sometimes. And I think that can be really positive as long as you're careful about it and as long as you do the things you need to do to make it a positive experience for everybody. I love this because, well, for various reasons, obviously. Playing pretend, you know, that was something, you know, when you do get older, that is something that kind of gets tossed off. You can't play pretend anymore. You can't. So I could see where... The world of fantasy and pretend and playfulness and pretending to play a part because you know like you watch these you, you ladies know what i'm talking about here right it's like you watch some of these like you know like real sex on hbo and it's like 
the dude being like, I'm here to fix your plumbing. And like him and his wife are trying to like re, re like get the spark going again, right, in their relationship. And you kind of think to yourself, you know, especially when you're younger, you're like, oh, that's so silly, man. I'll never go down that road. And then you seem to get a little older and you're kind of like, yeah, man, I might be down to, to play the, the sexy plumber to come in the house and fix your plumbing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm all about it. And I think it's great. And especially, you know, so much I've learned from both of you ladies and, and, and being a part of the university pleasure in general is, you know, like, hey, you, you just don't know what works until you try it and you kind of put it out there. So this idea of like being able to play a role and have some fun and, you know, I think it's great. You know, as long as, again, as everybody, you know, is being safe and, and we're all on board and everybody, you know, is cool. Like, I think it's great. And I, you know, what's really interesting is that I, you know, and we've talked before on the podcast, just the idea of like sex is like, unless you like decide to take some adult improv classes or something for the most part sex is like one of the very few places in a, in your adult world that where there's still like a sense of play right and yeah. and that and there's something really valuable about that and i guess you know i and just in like talking and working with people you know personally professionally like i'm always really struck though about like how um conflicted people can feel about the roles that they do like to play and the roles that interested them. And I'm wondering from your end, Laura, kind of what, how you see that show up or, you know, what you experience around that with folks. Oh yeah. I see the same thing that, you know, people get very worried and very, what does this mean about me? Um, you know, is there some kind of deeper meaning? Is this related to something that happened in my childhood? Well, you know, no, not necessarily. Right. Um, sometimes you just kind of want to be someone different. I think this is part of why uh, we like movies, too. Right. Like when the lights go down and you're watching this big screen and you kind of get lost in it, you almost feel like you were there or you, you know, you really identified with this character. And that was really interesting to feel. And I think that that's sometimes we feel like we're coming up against something that is scary to want to feel, right? So like, let's say someone who might find themselves wanting to play a dominant role um, or, and maybe in that dominant role, part of what they want to do is like have a fantasy about like pushing past somebody's limits. And they've been very clear, you know, they and their partner are talking and, and have a whole conversation about what are the actual limits? What do we want to do? What do we not want to do? This sounds like a hot, fun thing to both of them. But there's still this fear of like, why do I want to pretend this? Why do I want to do this? And I do think that's worth thinking about and looking at because you might find some interesting things. You know, I've talked to people who say, if I'm in the role where I'm controlling everything, it means that nothing's going to happen that I don't want to happen. Right. And sure. maybe that's sure in sex. And they're like, look, I, I just want to be in the role where I'm going to say what happens. I get to set the limits Again, they've negotiated before this and their partner's like, yeah, that's cool. We know what we want to do and what we don't. But in that moment, we're playing pretend that I get to set the limits and I get to say what happens. And maybe that's super hot. I've talked to people who want to be the person who gives up power, who've said it's really reassuring to me to know that, like, I'm not going to do anything wrong and it's not my responsibility to run 
sex. Like I don't have to figure out what's the quote unquote right thing to do to please you. Cause you're going to tell me, you're going to tell me what to do. And if I do anything that you don't like, you're going to tell me to stop. And that that's really reassuring to be able to take on that role. And I think that most of the time, if people can kind of like sit with that anxiety they have about why do I want to do this and go deeper on it, they'll find an answer about why they want to do it. That ultimately is pretty reassuring. Like, yeah. Oh, and, and reasonable. It makes sense. Uh, you, I mean, and what's really interesting often for me, like if you put it in like, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that power dynamics play out. But like if like I think of common misconceptions around like dominance and submission and like I think of a lot of folks that I have just like known or work with where like you know, they engage in like, say, submission, and people might assume that they're really submissive people in their personal lives, but actually in their personal lives, they're quite dominant. And part of what they enjoy, and this is not everyone that's into submission, by the way, but part of maybe what some folks enjoy about it is that they don't have to be in charge. And it's like so relieving to have other people make decisions. Decisions, we've talked before on here about anxiety, about like decision-making and anxiety. Decision Decisions feel like so much work for folks sometimes, and they can be really anxiety-provoking, especially in sex. And so to give that sort of power to somebody else can be like relaxing, really relaxing and oh, soothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, so if you're like a high-powered attorney, right, and you like run your own firm and your name's on the door and like all you're doing all day is like barking out orders like in the movie The Firm, you know, something like that. <laughs> and then, you know, you want to go home and you want to do that there too? Like, it might be nice to just be like, ah, I don't have to do that. I can be the submissive person here. And, you know, then, you know, what if that person has a partner who's like super submissive throughout their life? And, you know, they're the person who's like, it's all good. It's just no big deal. But then in the bedroom, everything's flip flop. And like then the person who's in the movie <laughs> The Firm is like, like I'm submissive and then the person who's totally submissive in their life, let's just say they're a florist. I just feel like that they would be a florist and they're just like, it's all good. I love flowers. But then, man, when they get in that bedroom, woo, they are just tough as nails, a total like hardcore, you know, making it like I'm in charge. And what a great power dynamic flip flop. Was that what we're kind of talking about here? <laughs> I mean, that was a lot. Uh <laughs> I also am really worried that now there's going to be a really specific sect of the inner of like Instagram devoted to dominant florists that are really angry with us. I swear I made it up. I was it was in my head. I would follow that. Dominant florists? Yes. Oh my God, please somebody start that. That's an amazing Instagram group that needs to occur. Absolutely. And you're welcome world. If it doesn't exist, that one was for free. Um, but yes, I think like to, you know what I mean? Like uh, part of the reason that I said, and I'm interested what you, you think about this, Laura, like, I do think it's like those things serve such different purposes for people. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think it would, it would be too overgeneralizing to be like, oh, people that enjoy dominance are actually submissive in real life and vice versa. Right. Like, but I think that there's a lot of different motivations and like release or relief or need. There's just different needs that people get met through some of those roles. And in my experience, you know, to your point, Laura, that when people kind of slow down and think about it a little, usually they they do come up with like, like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense why I enjoy that more often than not. 
And sometimes that does really help people feel more comfortable in that role because they see it as serving a need rather than something that's just like random and like, why the hell is this happening? Why the hell do I want this? Absolutely. And sometimes it helps them craft better sexual experiences for themselves, right? Like if they identify like, oh, you know what? I just really want to be taken care of. Like I love submission because in in a way it feels like I'm just taken care of. I don't have to do anything. I know that the person I'm with, I trust them and I know that they're going to do things to me and push me, but like not in a way I don't want. Um, and so if you've identified that, like if you've seen it as about caretaking, you're going to craft a very different scene than if your scene is about, I like to be of service. I like to feel like I'm doing something for someone and it's less about the feeling that is directly being done to me and more about what can I give to someone, right? So you can kind of get more information on what you're really going to enjoy sometimes by sitting with those thoughts and those worries and getting to the bottom of them. Yeah. Which is like a good point to that, like things like dominance and submission doesn't, it doesn't mean the same thing to everybody, right? Like to you, right? kind of, right? Can we, can we just say universally here that it, most of the stuff that we're talking about is individualized? Like, I don't think there's any, I, I got to be honest, and you know, Doc, I'm someone, I'm a fixer. I like to fix stuff. I like yes, to get in do. there and make it happen and be like, let's just handle you this, like, okay? You like gross, gross overgeneralizations. Yes, I also am aware <laughs> of that. Exactly. But, you know, I don't think there's been anything that I've learned here at the University of Pleasure in a conversation like this that is truly, like, standardized. Like, you know, like, that it's all gray. It's all, you know, like, it's, it's like, you can't say that, like, submission is only this and this is, and, and dominance only means this. It, it, it seems to me that it me all of these terminologies mean different things to the person that they are being yeah. applied, right? I would say there is a, yeah, there are things that have, I would describe them as loose definitions with lots of room for variability and negotiation. There it is. <laughs> That's the new t-shirt for you, Doc. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Tara Jansen, loose definitions. <laughs> That's exactly it. Well, cause we kind of put it, we keep putting like the, uh, you know, the old, uh, you know, a PSA in front of it when we discuss these things. And I think, you know, it's good to be able to say, hey, broad generality, these don't mean the same things to everybody. It is not a standardized thing. It is, you know, one person, vanilla means this, another person, vanilla means that, kink might mean this. So it's always good to ask those questions and try to find what that person's definition is of that. Like if I said I like dill pickles, right? Like I like dill pickles. Like there's dill pickles and then you got like butter pickles, right? Now, of course, there are many variations of dill pickles and we won't go down the dill pickle like, you know, crazy, you know, deep hole here. But my point is that like there are some <laughs> things that like you'd be like dill pickles mean dill pickles and butters means But in the sex world and kink world, it doesn't seem to mean those things, right? It's just it's not that straightforward. So I think we can just all agree that, hey, you know, it's just different for everybody. We don't, you're right. Am I, am I, am I, how's that? How's that cold medication coming, Jeremy? Get, get off me! I was making a good point. <laughs> you had me until the dill pickle diatribe, and then I think I really <laughs> the, wheels, the wheels the wheels really fell off, man. <laughs> but yes, I think I get your drift. 
Thanks. Laura, our, our esteemed guest, Laura, what, what do you think? <laughs> about pickles? Yeah, nah, less about pickles. <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to actually take us off into left field a little please bit. Do. Please, please. I think sometimes people eroticize things they're afraid of. Ah, yes. Right. And I think that that's a way that we try to figure out how to deal with the thing that we are afraid of, because like, maybe if we can make it sexy, um, it's going to feel less scary. And I don't think this is anything that that most of us are doing like consciously, like that's a thought process we have. I just think that sometimes some of our turn ons we might be a little bit afraid of and we might be turned on by them partially because we're trying to figure that out. We're trying I to figure listen, I totally agree with this because I totally had fantasies and we've talked about them on my on the podcast here before where I, you know, always wanted to see my partner with somebody else. Right. But I was really afraid of that thought. And then it made me feel legitimately insane because I was like, that's weird. You're weird, dude. Like I literally would have conversations like with myself, like, dude, that's you're that that's crazy. And you shouldn't be having thoughts like that. But it would it was such a turn on to me in my mind that literally and then I it was really afraid to even discuss it with people because I was afraid they're gonna be like, man, you've lost it, brother. Like that's no nobody wants to see the part, you know. So I'm totally with you on this. But the but that fear, that anxiety, right, then also adds to the amplification of the arousal, right, and it yeah. adds to the amplification of the the interest, the attraction, right, and that's I I think that that is also part of my understanding. You're right, Laura. That's also part of what you're talking about as well is how that can they can feed each other, I guess, in certain uh, ways. Absolutely. And I think that that's part of why um, you have to create a safe container around that. You have to t create a safe container in order to be able to uh, decide, you know, is is this a fantasy that I want to do in real life? And like, how do I do that and venture into this area that's super hot, but also kind of scary? And how do I do it well in a way that it's going to turn out well for everybody, right? So like the traditional safe containers of the BDSM or kink world would be negotiation, which we've already kind of talked about, you know, you, you talk beforehand about what do you want to do? What do you not want to do? Um, and you kind of figure as much of that out as you can, but you also need some kind of like safe words, safe word system. Um, you know, the stoplight is a real common one where red means stop. Something's not right. We need to just stop. Yellow means, hey, slow down, check in. We might need to change something. Green means, hey, things are going well. I've heard people say beige. This is boring. Oh, brutal. <laughs> Um, so I, I just wanted to name those really quick. We don't have to go in depth into those, but to let people know that if they are having some power play fantasies, that they're feeling like, oh, I don't know. Why do I like this? Is this something I want to try? Creating that safe container around them can really help you feel secure of, okay, I can try playing pretender on this, knowing that I am an ethical human being who has like some rules set up to make this go well. All right. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking power dynamics, you're saying, I just want to make sure I'm clear. So all of our millions of fans are clear. 
power dynamics, when you're talking about somebody wants to do a power play scenario, so whether they want to be submissive or they want to be dominant, that's what we're talking about, power play, right? Right. Okay. Or if they, or if they want to top or if they want to bottom. Okay. Or, do you know what I mean? Like it might be. Or what? Say that again, Laura. Or if they want to switch. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to do both at different times. Or Okay. So in doing that, the recommendation would be to build a, a like safe bubble around it, have open dialogue about it, talk about consents, uh, and like, you know, if you're cool with this, if you're cool with that, then have a safe word in place. If you go, you know, everybody's feeling good, we're feeling safe, we've all talked through the consent aspects of it, now we're going to go in, but before we go in, in, you know, the sexy red door in my mind over here, that we're gonna all we're gonna have a safe word. So like you know, if in fact things, you know, I somebody starts feeling uncomfortable, they could say something like red light, which would mean stop. You know, if things are going great, you kind of say something like green. I've used safe words in the past. My always the go-to safe word with my wife and I is peanut butter. If somebody says peanut butter, all bets are off. Everything stops. That's a real thing. We would say like him. Hey, Peanut butter. Be like, okay, we're packing up. We're out of here. Hey guys, I got. We're not feeling great about this. Uh, whatever. You know, like that would be our safe word. So you know, you guys can take that one to the bank. Uh, not a problem. It's free, but it's good to have safe words. So, I think this is really good. I've learned a lot about power dynamics here. I feel that we can build this safe place. Talk about the fantasies. <laughs> Want to try to go into it. Have a safe word, and then go through that sexy red door into Playland, which is a thing I just made up right now. So yeah. I feel I really feel like, good about it. I feel like if you were to write a poetry book, it'd be called "The Sexy Red Door in My Mind." Like I feel like that's <laughs> like a, that's like your book of like Jeremiah's book of poetry. <laughs> sexy red door in my mind. Thank you, Doc. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. I wrote the first line of your first poem <laughs> for that book. <laughs> You're so good to me. Well, I think we have all learned a lot today here about power dynamics. I feel really good about it. I uh, I just also want to clarify. You, also, you that... also feel really good. You also, I think, feel really good because of the either steroids or amphetamines that are in your cold medicine. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, is there anything else that you ladies being absolutely brilliant and understanding this world? And again, so grateful to my best friend, Laura Rademacher, for coming back on the podcast here and giving us some more amazing knowledge. I just I I love you ladies coming together and bouncing off each other ideas and thoughts. It really is quite brilliant. And I'm so grateful that you took the time, Laura. I'm always grateful to you, the doc. But is there anything else about power dynamics that we'd like to slip in there before we all say thank you and good night. That was a really long pause. (laughs) She was going to (laughs) talk. I heard somebody say, and I wish I could remember who said this uh, because I'd like to quote them, but I heard somebody say once, all sex involves power dynamics. You either talk about them beforehand or you don't. Right. So I'll let that be your like mind blown. Think about that. If you've never played with roles before, how do power dynamics show up in the sex that you might have had or be having right now? Um, Just because I think that's interesting. Agreed. And and I and I agree. And I've I've heard a similar I've heard a similar statements from other folks as well. And I, I think that it's there's a lot of truth in that. 
And I do think sometimes people are unaware that there are always power dynamics at play, right? And sometimes you can play around with them that are in ways that are a heck of a lot of fun, right? Provided you kind of go through some of the mechanisms that Laura was talking about. And it's, um, I do, you know, we're like therapists and psychologists here, right? So like, we're like all in on the like, and like maybe be self-reflective so you could have even more fun with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. And I would also like to say that my pickle uh, analogy was clearly a little too deep for uh, everybody today. So if you'd like a better explanation, please write into contact the University of Pleasure. And I'm happy to explain in depth my pickle analogy and how it works so perfectly with power dynamics. Thank you, Laura Rademacher, my friend, for coming <laughs> in. Best friend, Jeremiah. Oh, Thank so you, good Dr. You. Jansen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. You two just like be good friends and I'll just be here. Everybody. <laughs> Don't be jealous of our relationship. Thank you, Thank you to my casual acquaintances, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah and Laura. All right, look, we're going to figure this out. Let's all get matching tattoos and then we'll feel better about Oh my it. God. Okay. Can we do is What is the one with the eight on it where it's like, I, they always do that one. What is that? What, what, is it, what does that one mean? The infinity symbol? Yeah, see? Because then we're all just, oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought... I'll get a red door. I'm working. I'm getting a sleeve done, Doc. I might put a red door on that sleeve just for you. I think it's going to be a red door with like lace around it for the sexy red door as like the the molding Perfect. around it. Perfect. I should never be a tattoo designer. Absolutely so, not. I so, completely agree I'm with that. So, I am so tacky. I should never be allowed to design anything. Well, I want to say thank you one more time to both of you rock stars for coming in with amazing knowledge, teaching me, teaching our millions of fans. It was so good to see you, Laura Rademacher. And thank you, Doc, for everything that you do. And thank you, actually, for both of you, that everything that you both do for so many out there. So we're so grateful that there are folks out there that can teach and show us the way. So thank you so much. Take care of each other and be kind to one another and uh, talk to you all soon. Bye, Doc. Bye. Bye, Laura, my best friend. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.